1: What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zubi podcast. On today's episode, we have got on a friend of mine. He is a father, a very dedicated family man. He's one of the most positive and inspirational people on Twitter in general. And this is Tyler Todd. Welcome to the show.
2: Uh, thanks so much, brother. It's uh, it's a very big honor to be on here, Zuby. You're, you're a man that I really admire and look up to. You brought me to Twitter and helped me escape that corporate world uh, a few years ago. So. I uh, really, really value you know everything you put out and do. So, real big honor to be here, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: No doubt, man. That that's well, you inspire me as well. So, I'm honored to hear that. So, for people who are not familiar with you, Tyler, tell them a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I had kind of a I'd say a normal upbringing. Two parents that loved me. Then I went to college, and at university, man, I had something happen that's pretty unusual. I deposited sixty dollars into an online poker site, and within a year, I was up about sixty k. And uh, I realized I had a real knack for poker. So I ended up dropping out of college my sophomore year. I went on to make close to seven figures in my early 20s. Kind of turned my back on a lot of things I think were really important to me at that time when you kind of have an influx of money. Uh, Just made a lot of wrong choices as far as like uh, that party lifestyle, thinking that, you know, I was something that I wasn't, kind of ego was out of control. And some things came crashing down in my late 20s that that really made me turn and reflect and kind of see what's actually important in life, and really kind of center myself and focus on those things again. So uh, now I just get to share a lot of the lessons I've learned along the journey. I'm, I'm a 39-year-old dad of three. We've uh, we fostered seven children, reunited five, and we adopted two, and we have one biological daughter too. So that's probably my favorite thing in life is being a father, a husband. Uh, and yeah, man, I just try and make every room I go in a little bit better when I leave, right? That's kind of my goal every day.
1: That's awesome, man. I love that. So tell me a little bit more about your your childhood and growing up. Where, where did you grow up?
2: Uh, we grew up in central Illinois, man. So a massive town called Farmersville, population seven hundred. My uh, my <laughs> grandfather was the mayor. Uh, like my dad was my coach in every sport. Uh, you know, some of my best friends from life still to this day. You know, grew up with those guys playing playing backyard ball every day, and uh, it was it was really cool, man. I mean, back then, you know, we're talking thirty years ago. I feel like my parents would we'd get up, we'd eat breakfast in the summer, and my mom would say, "Be home at noon for lunch," and we'd just kind of go play sports all day. You know, we had a good group of kids stayed out of trouble for the most part because of sports. And I'd say sports was probably the biggest part of my life. We played baseball, basketball, football, soccer, ran cross country, uh, tennis, pretty much everything. We, we were into sports, man. So that, that was what dictated childhood for us.
1: That's awesome, man. You got siblings? I
2: have one older sister. Yeah. My sister, Kelly, uh, she is five years older than me. And I think it was hard growing up because you know we're five years apart. So we didn't necessarily like super close. We never went to school together, but Uh, since becoming an adult. And she's such a fantastic mom. And I lean into her wisdom a lot because she's grown two successful boys now that are 15 and and 13. Shout out to my nephews. They love you too, Zuby. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, man, uh, we're really close to this day, man. She still lives back in Illinois.
1: That's awesome, man. And so tell me about the story when you went to college and getting into poker, because I don't know all that much about how that journey began.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. So I grew up uh, just always kind of having a strategic mind. Uh, I loved playing board games. I loved playing games as, as a kid. And something happened. We watched the movie Rounders. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Matt Damon film. And uh, and so a few of our buddies just said, hey, man, let's all throw five bucks in and play poker. And, and I just kind of had a knack for it right away. I remember I won that first game. I took the $15 I wanted. I went and bought a book. <laughs> for like 13. And I studied a bunch of odds and statistics and I made 60 bucks just playing with buddies. I remember that first year in college. And so I deposited that 60 online and thought, well, let's see if I can, you know, I can beat my buddies here in the dorm. Let's see if I can beat some people out there too. And I just got hooked, man. I started running it like a business. I had Excel spreadsheets of what time of the day I was playing. I I I was studying my opponents off the table. and just had a knack. I started moving up the stakes pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I was playing for pennies when I had $60 and all of a sudden I was playing for thousands of dollars and even 10,000s of dollars some days. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, you know, I don't think my parents were super thrilled when I, when I drove home one day and said, you know, I I went from a 3.8 GPA to like a 1.9 GPA, (laughs) (laughs) but I remember telling them, you know, I made more this month than I'm going to make as a, you know, I was going to be a teacher at the time. And so I'm going to pursue this. And you know, I think it was a little rough going there for a little bit. My parents had a, a very religious upbringing too, and I turned my back on a lot of that for a while. And if I could go back and do a lot of those things over, I'd, I'd certainly choose a different a different way I dealt with that. But I remember just being so arrogant and just saying, "You know, I'm making 60k a month; like it's everything's going to take care of itself." You know, mm-hmm. like I, I would fly my friends to anywhere all over the world we wanted to go for the next four or five years. It was I was kind of like the meal ticket for a lot of my friends, and then you know, some of the girls that maybe you. You know, you attract kind of wrong when you're kind of leading with a well, I drive, a Benz, I, you know, these things. And so that kind of started to snowball a little bit, man. And it, it would come crashing down later in my life for sure. But kind of lived that high life for four or five, six years, just thinking I was probably something that I wasn't and trying to pretend to be something that I wasn't. I mean, brother, you know me now. And <laughs> I mean, this is a fancy shirt for me. It's my preacher friend got it for me. <laughs> I got some Zuby apparel back there. It was probably the fanciest I get. But back then, I was wearing like Gucci clothes and Prada shoes and just trying to be somebody that I really wasn't. And and I think the money kind of got me lost in that for a little bit.
1: Mm. And you moved to Las Vegas as well, right?
2: So I had a condo in Las Vegas and we still had like a house back in Illinois. Um, mm. I, I ended up meeting a gal here in Las Vegas and getting married at like 23. And uh, that that was probably, you know, not in hindsight, we probably weren't ready to get married at 23. But again, you know, everybody warned us. And we just said, we got a lot of money, we have a lot of fun together, we'll be fine, you know, and uh, that was one of the things that came crashing down. Uh, I think I was like 27 and playing in the World Series of Poker. And she just called me one day and said, like, I'm leaving you, I'm seeing someone else. Uh, You know, and I, I was at our condo in Vegas, she was back at our house in Illinois, we just we just had this very, like, transactional kind of relationship, not really like a deep seated, values kind of relationship and so i kind of went on a tailspin after that for about a year or two man um it kind of all the things that i had been valuing i really realized that those are my my house was so so to speak built on sand right and once that came crumbling down i, I turned even more i hate to say it but into the party lifestyle into mm-hmm. doing you know substances and booze and having the, the best table at the party became very important to me at the nightclubs and things like that and uh it wasn't until I actually shout out to Eddie Lowe and my preacher friend who actually just mailed me this a couple of days ago, who uh, I reached out to him one night at like midnight, man. I'll never forget. I sent an email and I just said something to the effect of Eddie. I have everything everyone tells me should make me happy, right? Like I have a, a really a sports car. I've got money in the bank. I've got a sick condo here in Chicago. I, I'm dating some pretty attractive females. I'm like, all my friends tell me I should be happy, but I'm miserable. I, I just, I can't seem to really be happy, you know? And uh, I started having coffee with this guy, man. He's a he's a preacher from my hometown. And he just started asking me some really good questions about what I really wanted out of life, not what maybe society or some of these other people told me that I wanted, but what I really wanted. And I started to realize those things were very different from where my focus had been going. And so I started to really shift my mindset around then, probably about the age of 30, 31, and uh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: kind of started on a little self-improvement journey, getting into the gym, some things like that around that period. And then the next big leap, I would say, was three, four years later, when I found guys like you, guys like Zach Hommel, these other guys that really have aligned values and some a, a bigger sense of themselves than just making themselves happy, right? And so that was probably the next big leap where I went and been on that journey now for about five years, man. I'm just trying to give back and have a deeper meaning to my life than just collecting stuff.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting to me because you know, obviously, as, as someone who who knows you and you know, we, we've hung out is like i know i know this phase of your life right so it's interesting cuz it's like you know you've gone through these almost like you've lived these different lifetimes and so it's always interesting to see where someone is now of course but also to understand understand the the history understand how they how they got there everyone's got a different story and one thing's i love most about you know doing this podcast and even listening to others is trying to get You know, trying to trying to go deep and do the real talk on the the story, not just the tip of the iceberg. And, okay, look, like this is where things landed. But, oh, look, this is what it took to actually get through that. Um, So, of course, in the in the process, you met your you met your now wife. When when did you meet your wife?
2: So super grateful the way that worked out, man. Because she's she's a much better person than I am. And Zuby, if I had been wearing Prada shoes when I met her, she wouldn't have looked twice at me. <laughs> <laughs> she's not really into stuff, man. So she runs a uh, a nonprofit. She,
1: she's more Louboutin or like no Gucci. man. <laughs> <laughs> she's more like
2: a, hey, it's on sales like it's really cool. She'll Pick one up, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was in the midst of kind of talking to my pastor. I just started back in church and then I found one of my buddies was like, Hey, this girl is hosting a a charity event here in Chicago. Uh, you know, I think you might like her. I saw a picture of her and I said, yes, I think I might like her. (laughs) So I I actually reached out to her and and started reading all of her blogs. She'd been blogging for about a decade at what she was doing. Um, in, in Eswatini, it's, it used to be Swaziland country Mm -hmm. in South Africa and she dedicated her entire life to building schools over there. And, and she, she specializes in helping orphans with education. And it entails a lot more than education. She's, you know, they call her mom, right? She, she was going over there, living there 150 days a year and making next to nothing doing it. And, you know, she has a PhD from Purdue. She could be making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but she felt this was her mission and God had really called her to do this. And so I remember just like reading this at night. And this is a guy who had just been out to nightclubs, spending, you know, a thousand dollars in a night out. Right. And I remember reading this and seeing, you know, you, you can feed a family who hasn't eaten of, of four for $50 for a whole quarter over there. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and I just felt this really sense of like, man, I got to be doing more with my life. And so I, I reached out to her and I just said, hey, hey, could I help you set up for this fundraiser? You don't know me, but I really appreciate the things you put out there and I'd love to help. And so she said, yeah, that's great. I invited her to church. Uh, when she came in, man, we ended up taking like a six hour walk uh, right after the event. And she, she was kind of dating a guy, man. It's kind of a funny story. She was dating a guy before she took her last trip over there, but she came back with uh, some kind of like rash on her arm, something that she had got. And the guy had said, When that heals, maybe, maybe me and you can start dating again. And so she told me this story, as I think she could tell, I was pretty interested. And I and I basically took my face and I buried my face in her rash. And I said, Any guy who's afraid of that rash does not deserve you. <laughs> and she <laughs> <laughs> so she started laughing instantly, and I think I kind of had her hooked right there, man. So, uh, we, we dated like six months, we ended up proposing after that. I've been to Eswatini now with her seven times. That's become a oh, big wow. part of my mission. Um, going back again in, in six weeks with her, mm. uh, to, to help build homes and, and dig pilatrines and all kinds of things over there. So, it's yeah, it's oh,
1: that's amazing. so interesting. I, I didn't know that um, that you were going to Eswatini that much. My sister actually used to live there.
2: That, I remember you saying that. Yeah. About you, man. have you yeah. been?
1: I've never been there. Oh, no, man. I've never been. Um, it's a very, very small country, like very tiny.
2: It's a, I think it's a million total. Yeah. So yeah. actually, they're a smaller country than you, Zuby, as far as Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: kind of crazy to think about. Yeah.
2: Well, bro, yeah. I'll tell you what, anytime you want to go, I bet we could pop off a fundraiser on Twitter. We, we'd get your trip funded, man. we get you over there playing with some kids anytime you want to go, man.
1: Okay, so, that, that's awesome. interesting, man. Like, Okay, uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we won't discuss it on the podcast. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Our podcast today is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens every day for better gut health, increased energy, and immune system support. As someone who is constantly on the go, AG1 helps me to cover my nutritional bases with a simple, tasty, easy-to-mix drink. I take AG1 in the morning and it makes me feel ready to take on my entire day. Why take a bunch of different pills when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once per day? AG1 was designed for ease of use, so you can live healthier and better without having to do a lot. One single serving delivers a powerful blend of vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and much more. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you one free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com forward slash That's athleticgreens.com forward slash and get your free year supply of vitamin d as well as five free travel packs with your order go check it out so I'm, I'm i'm curious actually so what was that i'm curious to know more about the sort of changes in your mindset and values during this sort of multi-year period so from going from being professional poker player living this sort of high life playboy style in vegas or in illinois and then, you know, sort of, I don't know, coming back down to this ground level of refinding your, your your values and your direction in life and then, you know, going on obviously getting married and doing the charity work that you do, going on fostering children. This, this is such a, it's such a shift. So I'm, I'm really curious to know like what was going on in your mind at this time.
2: Yeah, I'd say this is probably about an 18-month shift, man. And, and anybody who would have known me in Chicago during that season would have said, like, Ty's really happy, right? Like, I was like the life of the party guy, like, like standing up on the bar, like drinking the champagne. Ah, Let's do another round. Like, I was that guy. But then everybody go home. Like, the party eventually had to end, right? And I, I can't tell you the number of nights, man, that, that I would cry myself to sleep that I would just think like there's got to be more to life than the next party. Oh, the next big DJ comes in next week. Let's get the table. Like, right. That was my whole existence and going to the casino to play poker to when you have a certain amount of money, money doesn't even really matter anymore. If you know, like, so it just, it seemed like it was all for nothing. And I remember thinking a lot of these times, like what, what's the point of my life, you know? And I hate to admit this, but there, there were many nights I I'd, I'd sit up on my roof two, three in the morning. And I would just think, I, I don't even, what's it matter if I wake up tomorrow? You know, mm. um, it just doesn't even matter. And so when I reached out to my friend, preacher Eddie, um, and he started asking me a lot of these questions, he challenged me. He said, you know, uh, faith is very personal, but I, I urge you to explore it, Ty. You know, and, and I think, you know, I grew up in the church, uh, but it's something I kind of it was never my own. I would say it was more my family just went to church. That's what we yeah. did for a while. And then when I went to college, I decided I, I didn't want that, you know, and I think I'd always thought of maybe religion or faith as rules, well, you know, God tells me I can't do this, so I can't have fun, you know, and I, and I always viewed it that way. And, and Preacher Eddie kind of told me, man, it's more about your heart, right? Like it's more like God loves you. He's, he's there for you. He wants to give you a purpose and a mission and, and all these things. And so he actually challenged me um, pretty early on to just say one prayer because I, I told him I want to get my life right, but I don't really know about all this faith stuff, you know. And he said, hey, Ty, for 30 straight days, just pray one prayer. Um, God, if you're real, just show yourself to me. And so I, I respected him a lot, and I didn't really know what that meant, but, but I started praying it. And my first miracle happened uh, about 21 days in, man. I was actually in Vegas, still prayed that prayer every morning, and, and I went for a jog after a poker session. It was like midnight. And at the time, man, I had an iPod shuffle. I don't know if you remember these things, but they would hold like 10,000 songs. You didn't know the song. You just hit sh- shuffle and it'd pick one. And and all my songs then are Tupac, Biggie, you know, (laughs) this This is what I I work out to, this is what I listen to. And so I go for a run and I hit shuffle and Tupac comes on and I'm running. The next song comes on and I don't know to this day how that song got on there because I never listened to Christian music. But it was Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And and something stirred up in me when I heard that song come on and, and I actually got angry and I started yelling and I said, you know, God, you let my life get here. How could you do that? And I hit shuffle. And so the next song is probably a biggie, you know. And and so I'm sprinting and I'm feeling just rage. And the next song that came on was Holy is the Lord God Almighty again. And brother, I dropped to my knees at that point alone by myself. And I said, all right, God, you showed yourself to me. I don't know what it means to have a mission bigger than myself. I don't know what it means to trust you. But at this point, I'm going to surrender some of these things that I know are not right. I don't know what it looks like, but I want to take my first step back to Jesus, back to you. And so that was my first step, man. And I I met my wife probably five, six months after that had happened. She wouldn't have talked to me. She wouldn't have shown me time of day had that never happened, right? And she's had a really big faith and a big personal faith. And so we started going to church together a lot and making that a priority. And and really, God has spoken to me. And and brother, I could tell you 100 miracles at this point, right, over the last uh, decade since that happened. But uh, that was kind of my big mission, bigger than myself kind of thing.
1: That's amazing, man. That's amazing. And so let's carry on. Let's carry on with the journey. So you met your wife, you date for six months, you propose, and then how long after that till you're married?
2: So we get married about eight months after that. And okay. we had a doctor tell my wife that she could not get pregnant. So we go and for our honeymoon, we did five weeks serving in Eswatini uh, on a mission, like just our mission trip there. And we as, a, as a honeymoon, out. that was our honeymoon. Oh, we wow. Would, okay. Okay. Five days in between that to go to to go to Joburg and some other areas and kind of farther. Cape Town, we we hit Cape Town up for like three days. So that was our honeymoon. And on the honeymoon, we ended up getting pregnant. So uh, <laughs> when the doctor told us we couldn't get pregnant, so um, so then we come home. More, from more, that. more
1: more more reason to question doctors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to get strikes. I'm not go
1: down that path. <laughs> hey, some of the, some of them are good, but some of them don't know what they're talking about.
2: Yes, man. My dad's a doctor, so I
1: can say these things.
2: And, and my wife's dad's a doctor. And he's yeah, exactly. brother, So it's you know, like any profession, good and bad, right? But uh, so, yeah, then we come back and then kind of real life hits us for the first time. Uh, you know, we're, we're super in love. But now all of a sudden we've got a screaming newborn. Um, I go back to college full time because I don't want to play poker, you know, as a job anymore. So I go back to college full time. I take a job, my first job ever at 31 at a bank. I get promoted like four times in the next two years to where I started out as just a teller at a bank. Now I'm managing the whole bank and running it. And, and I think I lost myself a little bit there. It was kind of a three step forward, two step back kind of deal. Uh, our marriage was rocky at best that first couple of years with a new child. I think everybody tells you, you just get married and it's happily ever after, right? Nobody tells you, you got to put in work. You got to focus on the right things. You got to keep, you know, rowing towards each other every day and growing together. And so, um you know we had our our struggle a little bit there back in illinois and big thing happened man uh we moved out to vegas and i had about seven weeks by myself i got a new job out here and my wife wanted my daughter to finish school our daughter to finish her pre-k so they stayed in illinois I had seven weeks here by myself in this this big house in vegas we didn't even have a tv a mattress i literally just slept on the floor with no furniture for like seven weeks but it ended up being the greatest gift man i uh I dropped to my knees right when Annie left and I knew I was by myself. And I I just said, okay, God, like I'm all in for the first time in my life. Like I don't want to be half in half out with my finances, with my, with any part of my life. I want to give it to you. And and, uh, that is when I found you, Zach Hamill, Ryan Stevens, a lot of guys on Twitter that I just felt like were pouring into me every day, man. I I never knew social media could back then. I used to, (laughs) Bro, well, I used to argue with people about like Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> 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 this was the stuff I was doing on social media. And I told people it was so toxic. But I found people like you who were just talking about mindset and growing and these habits and how you could choose to see the world different. Maybe, maybe media didn't have your best interest at heart. And I, and I realized, I remember the day I took off the CNN app, the Fox News app. I took all these apps off and I said, I'm just going to put my mind on what I can control. And that seven weeks, man, was the biggest period of growth in my life as a 35 year old man, where that's when I started to start, you know, maybe sharing a little bit on social media was I saw guys like you, I really looked up to, I remember praying for God to let me have a 1000 teammates would be so cool if I could impact one or two people how neat that would be and you know, I sit here today with one hundred and ten thousand or whatever, and just I don't wake up a day now where I don't have people in my DMs telling me that, you know, that message that I was able to, to give them meant a lot and things like that. And so it's I feel like when you go all in, you get to see a lot of miracles, but mm-hmm. a lot of Jesus people or a lot of people of faith, they never really get to that spot. They're kind of one foot in, one foot out. And so I'll forever look back to that time where I just had seven weeks then. And, and we, we never added TV after that. We've never had a table like for the last four years. We, I, I won't allow that stuff in my home anymore, man. Like we're only going to focus on what we're going to do. And that's like having dance parties every night with the family, not not. <laughs> with the girls since I was a Rachel Maddow, any of these people like we're going to we're going to cultivate the kind of life that we want. And we got really intentional around that. My wife hopped on board right away. And uh, yeah, man, it's been, been blessed, pretty blessed ever since, I would say.
1: Why do people with normal cholesterol levels get heart attacks? Heart surgeon Dr. Philip Ovedia believes it's because of poor metabolic health, not cholesterol. After performing over 3,000 heart surgeries, Dr. Ovedia decided to work on prevention and not just treatment. In his book, Stay Off My Operating Table, Dr. Ovedia shows you his seven principles of metabolic health and how to use them to reduce your risk of heart disease. Get your free audiobook version of Stay Off My Operating Table at ifixhearts.com forward slash zuby. That's ifixhearts.com forward slash Zuby to get your free audiobook. Go check it out. That's amazing, dude. Honestly, it's it's humbling to hear that and it's so inspiring because you know I, I do so many interviews and one you know, something people always ask is, you know, like what's your goal, what's your mission? Why do you wh- why are you so outspoken? Why do you think like this? Why do you have these views? Why you know, and the thing with me which i you know i think most people who follow me realize but you know perhaps some of my detractors or critics don't is that i'm all about people i'm all about inspiring and motivating people in different avenues mentally physically encouraging people to think better encouraging people to recognize their potential and capability for greatness and also to just exemplify it right not just talk about it but hey i'm on this journey myself you know i'm i'm in my mid 30s and i've been through this whole journey with my music and with all these other things and now with social media and i've done this and i've grown this and you know i'm just i'm trying to you know lead and just do it and then what i love is this is this ripple effect right that's to me the most amazing thing because so many people don't fully realize that the ripple effect is both positive and negative it can be both right if you go out there and you're just angry at the world and you're putting that out there online and offline and you're just venting your anger and your frustration and you're attacking people and you're calling people out and you're just doing this it actually encourages inspires and motivates other people to do the same right it it, and then and then that spreads outward and so you're kind of just spreading this negative all the time but actually if you live positively and you do your best like none of us are you know we're all human none of us are gonna be perfect with this but if you do your best to Try to fulfill your own potential and encourage and inspire other people to do the same. Then, whether or not you even realize it, you that uh, those other people then go out and if they do the same, even to some degree, right? They they do the same to some degree, and that inspires and motivates other people, right? So I I start going to the gym because you know I was a fat teenager and I wanted to get in shape and train or whatever. And then people see me and the progress I'm making and they see me going to the gym and they see me doing my pull-ups and they see me doing it. And they're like, man, that's inspiring. That's motivating. And they go out and they do the same. And then someone else sees them and they're like, man, I remember that guy. That guy used to be fat and now he's in shape. Maybe like I should go. And it just spreads. It just spreads. And especially now, I think this has always been the case, but now that we have the internet and social media, which of course is this double-edged sword, is this ripple effect is multiplied by... A thousandfold, right so whereas in the past i don't know in the 80s and the 90s if we were doing this you know sure we can impact people who are physically close around us and who know us but now it's like you can be one individual and you know you can have a nation of people following <laughs> like, like it's it's crazy it, it freaks me out sometimes like it, it's it's <laughs> yeah. dope but but it scares me sometimes i, I look at those numbers and i'm like Holy crap. Like I was just looking at the numbers even of this podcast before and I'm like millions and millions of people have downloaded and listened to these conversations that I'm just I'm just sitting here in a room, you're sitting there in a room, we're we're just having a conversation and thousands, tens of thousands of people at least are going to hear this conversation. It doesn't matter if they're in Australia or New Zealand or Nigeria or Eswatini or the UK. Like that is it, i'm just like this is magic so people complain a lot about social media and i get it i get it because the negativity can ripple outwards right there's so much opportunity to frustrate people and divide people and get them at each other's throats and fighting but i'm like man with this same tool do you realize like what you can do like both of us we're just you know some people might look at us now and be like oh well you know you're this or you're that it's like bro like we're both, we're both guys. Like we are We started at zero followers. Nobody, nobody knew anything you're doing. No one. And then it's like, you know what? I'm just going to document some of my life. I'm just going to share my thoughts. I'm going to do what I do. Next thing you know, boom, thousand people are following you. 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000. You know what I mean? If you keep on going, but dude, if you keep on going, you'll eventually hit a million followers. Oh, yeah. Right. Assuming the platforms don't get nuked or, you know, you don't get banned or whatever, right? Like, if you keep on going, it might take, you know, years and years and years. It it does. But and and I'm just like, so many people can do that. And they don't even they don't even realize it. Just like, I don't know, someone who's out of shape doesn't realize that they can really get in shape and actually could have like an amazing, inspiring physique. They probably it, it seems so far from their reality that they don't they don't recognize the potential. But I'm like, dude, like if you've got something of value to offer the world and you, someone might just think, oh, I'm just the average guy. I'm just the average guy. I was like, dude, like most people are in some way, but that doesn't mean that you could not inspire thousands or even potentially millions.
2: Yeah. It, you know, you talk about that, that ripple effect right there. And I think we're so blessed to live in this time, man, because like you, you kind of alluded to it, but like my dad, he was just going to affect, you know, and he affected a lot of people in his community, right. Where we grew mm-hmm. up and, and, you know, but we do have the ability to broadcast now. And I think we've never, it's such a gift and it's such a blessing. And again, it's when I found that out from guys like you and Zach and Ryan, so yeah, I'll keep mentioning you guys till the day I die. Because <laughs> I just always heard, well, social media is negative. It's toxic. And, and I think if anybody's listening to this right now and they find themselves logging off Twitter because you're drained or logging off social media because you're drained, you need to make a decision to either get rid of it or choose to follow positive, uplifting people who are going to put good things into your mind. You know, I, I'll go back to pretty much everything in my faith now. But as a man think is, so is he. Right. And what you put into your mind? That's something that I just discovered from you guys early is then. You know what? If I do wake up every day and I this is what I used to do. Zuby. I'd, I'd wake up. I'd hit snooze a few times and I'd read the news. Oof. And guess what happens when you read the news? <laughs> <laughs> First thing in the morning, you're so stressed. First like I'm absorbing all the problems of the world, which my brain is not designed to happen. Right. Well, now guess what, man? I wake up, you know, I journal, I meditate, do all my things, right? And then, dude, when I'm consuming things on the internet, it's guys like you who are maybe challenging me to be better, or I'm seeing you kill it at the gym, or I'm seeing you give a great piece of advice for mindset, or I'm seeing a you know, Cynthia Thurlow put something out on fasting that literally changed my diet and my whole life, you know, like you can seek out these positive people now and and honestly build relationships with them. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here with you, man, is so it's almost like I had to pinch myself. I told my wife before I came on today, if somebody had told me three and a half years ago, three years ago, two years ago, that you'll be on the Zuby podcast. I'd have been like, ha. yeah, like, I, again, I'm just a dude, right? I'm just a dad who like wakes up and wants to go to the gym and take a walk every day. And the rest is details, right? Play with my mm. kids. and So it, it is wild, but I think it shows that power of consistency. And if you're really intentional with where you let your mind go, you have to give up certain things to get there. Again, I don't consume the news. I don't consume what these other people are telling me. I only allow these really positive things into my mind, but I do feel like anybody can do that now. And it, it's never been easier to find those positive community and, and find it. You know, if you if you used to just live next to toxic neighbors and had a toxic boss, you were kind of screwed, man. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. But now you, you, know, I'm in a men's group where we got guys from three, four different nations and we connect every single day, right? That's available to anyone who's willing to search for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it also shows us how we underestimate ourselves. And this is, this is one of my points I'm always trying to get across to people is that everyone is more powerful than they think they are right? I was even trying to get this across during the you know the whole scamdemic time when I was like man like as a one person like you can you can break the matrix right you you can put a crack in it you can put a dent in it you know I know we had this conversation like when we, when we met in in uh in Las Vegas right and I was just like just like just don't wear a mask right like, just I was like just just don't do it it'll be fine like just don't do it and then you do it and it's like okay like hey actually wait like I can do this thing, right? And I'm just like, yeah, like, that's all it takes. Like, just just don't do it. If someone really, really wants to fight you or stop you from boarding a flight or something, then okay, you might need to temporarily acquiesce. But this is the thing. That's how people end up in that sort of slave mind situation because they don't don't see their own power. They just think, oh, well, you know, the elites, the the elites are there and they're going to, you know, run their little program or whatever. And we all just need to fall victim to it. And I'm just like, no like we control the world people are always wanting to know like who controls the world we do we do collectively we control the world right yes there's politicians yes there's government agents yes there's uh large corporations yes there's media companies and they're very influential and they have a lot of money but you choose what you consume right like if you want to be following the you know consuming eight hours of mainstream media day like that's up to you like, it's the same with food right people are like oh but you know there's all the advertising and there's all these fast food companies and there's all this junk in the grocery stores i'm like dude i, I shop at the same grocery stores that everyone as everyone else i live in the same world as everyone else like I, I i the same fast food is available to me i don't have to eat it I don't, I don't have to consume it right like yes there can be pressure there can be temptation there can be this but and the thing is that's funny is once you once you get away from it all, as, as you've mentioned before, once you get away from it, you don't even you, you don't even want like there's you're, you're repelled by it. I'm like, I don't even want that. Like that doesn't even appeal to me. That looks awful. Like that's like, I, don't, I don't I don't want that.
2: If I'm, if I'm at the gym now man and some days they'll you know if i'm warming up with cardio they'll have like cnn fox all they'll have the news across the screen and it, it is like it's the matrix man it's like once <laughs> you see it for what it is you kind of can't unsee it and you're like i know exactly what they want people to think this is why they're reporting on this thing they're trying to get the masses to buy into this you know and i do remember man when i i scooped you up at the airport and uh, you know we're hanging out and you kind of issued me a challenge like Hey, man, if you don't believe in it, like, why are you doing it? You know? It was just like, a, yeah, you know what? He's really right. And and I think yeah. I told you later, but I had several encounters after that where, you know, I can think of one time just being at a grocery store and I had a guy come up to me and rip his mask off and go, I said a word I won't say, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and he gave me a bro hug and he's like, it is ridiculous, man. Like, I'm not doing it anymore either, you know? And I had several encounters like that at my gym and at other mm-hmm. places. And I felt like, you know, not to over be overly dramatic about this, but if there wasn't people like you kind of speaking common sense into this stuff, I don't know that we three years in, man, it was two weeks to stop the spread, right? But if people collectively didn't just have enough and say, look, I'm a free individual. I want to make my own choices as a free human. I'll live with the consequences of my choices. And mm. I think that's why you're very threatening to a lot of people because you treat <laughs> personal responsibility, right? And that's a, that's against the mainstream message. But it is like, you know, we all have that choice and that freedom. And without that, we really have nothing. There's mm-hmm. really no, not much point to life if we're, if we don't have that, the freedom to, to make our own mistakes, even yes. freedom to, to choose, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and
1: for me, that was why it was so important. Like th- to this day, even though, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're three, three years, three years into this you know situation now, but, and obviously things have things have generally calmed down now, although it's still not totally back to normal. Um, so many people to this day still don't understand like my stance on like the mask thing because they, st- they, they don't see beyond the mask, right? They're just like, Oh, but it's just like, it's just a piece of cloth. It's just, and I'm like, you no, it's not, it's not, it symbolizes like, and, and, and it, again, it's, it's not just the mask itself. Although I do have problems with that. It's the, it's the. It's the mandates, it's the, it's the allegiance, it's the unquestioning, not questioning authority. It's forcing people to do things that don't even make sense to them. Right. That that's the part of it. And I was like, I was like, that's how they get you. Like if they can program you to do things that, you know, do not make sense. Wait a second, bro. Like, Are you
2: telling me that it didn't, it wasn't scientific, that I wore a mask <laughs> and they would seat me and I could take my mask off at the restaurant. And then I had to wear it again to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and wear it again on the way out. And I had to mm-hmm. You're telling me that's not that's not based in science.
1: <laughs> well, you know. Uh, it might free. be these. It might be the science, dude. <laughs> it was so nutty because you know I went to eight different eight different countries during it, and you know you had some places had curfews, some places the curfews this time, some places it's that time, some places it's, it's like the the science is different in every single. You cross the border and the science is different now. You know you cross that border, the science is different, and I'm just like this is the most stupid thing <laughs> I have ever witnessed in my life under the banner of science. Um, yeah, that, that was the thing that was just so I'm, I'm glad that people are have mostly snapped out of it by now. But that was the thing that just was like driving me mad. And people were just like, oh, like, why does it bother you? And I'm like, uh, if 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 I can't, like, explain it in a certain way, then I, maybe there's just some people like I just can't kind of reach like they just won't. They won't get it because they don't see beyond the matrix. They're just like it's just about health and safety, and I'm like, no, it is not. I I'm not opposed to health and safety. Like when it comes to genuine health and safety, I will do what's in my power to not put other people uh, in harm's way, or you know, any like needless to say. But that's not this. That's not that's not what this is. And they're using they're weaponizing that language and people's better nature. The only reason this whole thing even worked is actually because most people have are quite good-natured. So when you use that language of health and safety and whatever, you, you're using it as a weapon to force people to give up their freedoms under the banner of being a quote-unquote good person, which to, to me is even more disgusting because you're not appealing to people's bad nature even, you're appealing to their good nature, and this is why you're then getting friends and families fighting each other because you framed it in the way that if you don't do x y and z without thinking then you're a bad person Mm. and now that that was to me what was so gross with it like when i'd been to all these places i mean i was in australia a few months ago when you remember they went crazy and some of the stories i was just hearing talking to people like because they went even further than the usa they went even further than the uk and i was just listening to some stories from people and i was like dude like i had people telling me just like their experiences over you know 2020 to 2022 and you know some people i had multiple people start crying just telling me about their personal experiences and i'm just like this is wrong like this is how this is horrible like this is not i don't know
2: do you you remember i'm sure you do when we left that dinner uh with a bunch of our friends here in vegas and that gal just saw you on the street randomly and came up and just burst into tears and she said never forget something to the effect of thank you for saying what I wish I could say every day at my company when yeah. I And I think there were so many people that felt trapped and, you know, I was still in a corporation when it happened. Uh, and it was like, you could not, if you, if I mentioned to my people, Hey man, the best thing we can do is go out for a daily walk in the sun. That would be literally the best thing we could do right now. Instead of mask for 10 hours a day. I mean, bro, I could lose my job for saying something like that. You know, it, it was, it became such a weird kind of thing. And I think that, you know, you brought maybe some power to people who felt like Mm. he's saying all the things I'm thinking, but I'm not allowed to say. And then, you know, if you really think the next level, it goes back to what you said. If we all just said it, (laughs) they would have no power. Right. And that's kind of where you unlocked my next level, I think, because, you know, I'll never forget going into the gym when our gym still had the ridiculous. (laughs) And I walked in and the guy said, hey, man, you have to wear your mask. And I said, I don't have one. And I'm not going to, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I said, do you really believe in it? And he goes, no, man, not at all. But it's like my job. And I got to and I said, bro, if you don't believe it and I don't believe it, like you do what you got to do. If you feel like you need to call the cops and they need to drag me out of here for trying to lift weights by myself, not you know, then you do that, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend anymore. I refuse yeah. to play that game. And I'm like, if we all just refuse to play that game, guess what? There is no game anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and. To me that's the power of that ripple effect that's where you know if you had never poured into me i never would have poured into other people i never would have you know whether that be around the scandemic or just just being a better person or mindset or a locked in father or whatever that is right like i mean i joked with you not that long ago i brought probably be on like my 19th shot right now <laughs> 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 did you hear monkey pox? you gotta be a monkey pox <laughs> It's crazy when you're unlocked, but you see the things that they feed you constantly. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, if you're, if you're afraid, you're easy to control. Right. And so once you kind of see that and you break free from that, it's, I mean, it's almost laughable to me at this point, but I still have people I love that are kind of trapped in that. And it, Mm -hmm. you just want them to break free so bad, man. Like you do. Yeah.
1: Well, the longer it goes, the harder it is because it just becomes an ego problem. Right. At this, at this stage, it's just, it's just ego. Right. It's like. You know, and people also don't want it. It's like the sunk cost fallacy, right? If you really had been locking yourself in your house and diligently wearing your mask all the time and taking all your shots and doing this and that, and you you almost mentally are incapable of accepting like all of that was pointless,
3: right?
1: <laughs> like like the, 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 the rona the rona is still the rona is still out there. Everybody still got it. It didn't matter whether you followed the rules or you didn't, or this or that, like everyone it just you know, all you did was destroy the economy and ruin a lot of people's lives for a long period of time. And yeah, that, that's the part that I find funniest is I'm like, the viruses, it's like, it's still out there. <laughs> right. It's just people stopped caring. It's just right. like, it's still and there.
2: They, one day, man, they just basically said like, yeah, I, like, I'll never forget the day. They said you don't need to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't, I just rest for five days. And then it became my daughter didn't even need to rest for five days. If you're not showing symptoms, just
1: keep just keep coming to school. It's no big yeah, deal. Like the flu, like <laughs> literally over. Yeah, like the flu, yeah, like the flu or the cold, and that was my thing. Like from early on, I was just like, well, well let's just do what do what we do anyway. And look, some people are going to get sick. Sadly, some people, are, a percentage of people who get sick, are going to get hospitalized. A percentage right. of people who get hospitalized are, are going to die. This is this has been human life our entire lives and far before it. Right, like we don't have the power to just. You know, I, 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 it's funny. I think this is actually where the sort of secularization of society actually played quite a big role on two fronts. I think number one, the um, the the sort of complete discomfort with human mortality. I think that that really really shone through, and I think part of that is you know just having an increasingly secular society, but then also the sort of hubris of thinking that we can stop nature from occurring right? Like this idea that you could, I mean, we can't stop this. Is, I said this to so many people, especially early on. I was like, bro, we can't even stop the cold, the common <laughs> cold. We can't, which has been around for, I don't know how long, but we can't stop. We don't even know how to stop the cold. We don't know how to stop the flu. Like we we can't every single year it comes around millions and millions of people catch it and get sick. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, the best you can do is stay vitamin C and deed up and generally be healthy, but even still, you're still gonna get sick sometimes, so I'm like, if we can't do this, like, what make what is possessing people to think that you're gonna be able to just like stop this new thing in its tracks? Like that's not. People are like, oh, well, you're not, you're not a doctor, you're not a scientist. I'm like, no, but I have common sense, right. right? Like it's like we have a whole family of these viruses and we can't stop any of them. So how is like sitting in your house and eating Cheetos and watching TV for two weeks or two months or two years? Like when I'm like, well, even even if you could delay it, I'm like, well, when people go out again and start interacting, it's gonna, it's gonna just come back. And this happened in country, like, especially places like Australia, and New Zealand, where they like locked down super hard and stopped people traveling and all this. And all that happened is they delayed it. That's all that happened. It's like, okay, you know, for some time, you managed to contain it a little bit. Same thing happened with China. So China's gone back into lockdowns in 2022 and all this. And I don't know, man. Um, It's, I just hope people have learned from it. That's kind of my biggest thing. Um, My biggest fear is that I don't know if people learn the right lessons. I know some people did. Millions of people definitely did. But I'm concerned that they could kind of do the whole thing again. And people don't, you know, I I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I think maybe we've, I think maybe the narrative has crumbled enough at this point that I don't think they'd be able to pull this off again for quite a while.
2: Yeah, you you made a good point. I remember during our dinner, you're like, you know, every time it gets a little more ridiculous and they kind of clench that fist, you know, some more people slide out the slide out the side. I feel like it got so ridiculous. Like even like, bro, like, you know, if you go protest and I look, I'm all for peaceful protest. Go protest. But experts said it won't spread there. But it will spread if you go have, you know, a family dinner party. Well,
1: it depends on what you're protesting, Ty.
2: That's also true too, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. If you're protesting the lockdowns, then that's a super spreader. Yes. If you're protesting George Floyd, that reduces the spread. So the virus is sentient. It can tell the time. It can count. (laughs) It has political affiliation. Um, It travels at a certain height. Which you can duck it knows when you're eating or drinking it knows how many people you're with um yeah apparently everything would have made sense if that was true
2: yeah it just i don't know when it got to those ridiculous levels but i still had very smart people yeah smart people that i really loved that still were buying into this stuff two years in and it it became to a point where you i just love them man you know you laugh And then man, it goes back to what you said at the beginning. I really think if, if you want to change the world, you always start within. And so yeah. you live in a way I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm just going to live my life and show you it is OK. Like we're OK over here. You know, yeah, and
1: you're not dying either.
2: Yeah, we're, we're OK. And so come join. And, and, you know, slowly but surely, you know, most people have, I think, at this point finally gotten out. But I think. You know, to a bigger point that probably speaks, there's so many people now that want to change the world by getting on Twitter and shouting every day, right? And, and <laughs> everybody else or political or this or that. And I think even you who has a million plus people following you on just one platform. So we're talking multiple millions now, right? Like Bro, I'll never forget, when I brought you here to Vegas, first thing you did was check to the gym. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Hey, where am I getting my lift in tomorrow, know, <laughs> and, and starting to plan that I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to live these things, right? I'm not just going to sit here and tweet about XYZ. i Z. I'm going to live them. And I think those are the really powerful people in today's world, right? It's, it's why do some people resonate and spread on social media or, or others? Well, it's because they're living their message and that inspires people. And in an age where so many people, man, just want to get up and shout at all the problems and every politician's quick to condemn the other side, but they're not really no. living it and giving you solutions. Well, when you have these authentic people then that come and they want to actually say, hey, do what I'm doing because it works, right? Like yeah. my mindset's strong. I'm, my body is healthy. I'm, I'm putting good things in my mind, all these things. That's very inspiring. And that's what people need today. And so I hope, you know, you keep inspiring people to do that. You unlocked me. That's for sure. I hope I can inspire and unlock a few more people down the road. And, and like you said, that ripple effect keeps going.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think what you have to do is you have to show people an alternative with, with it with it pretty much everything. You know, you have to. People are always, you know. I think we have all these limited beliefs pushed on us all through our lives. For some people, it can come from parents or family. It can come from schools. It can come from the media. It can just come from you know your peers and all that. So people have all these limiting beliefs that they grow up with. It's interesting because children have fewer limited limiting beliefs than adults do, but then if you can kind of just show people not not just tell them there's an alternative but just show them um and it's great that you can do this online as well then that helps to unlock a lot of people over the t- over time because they're like wait okay and it can be on it can be on a microcosm or it can be on a big level it can be as you know something as silly as you know that whole mask thing or it can be someone being on you know, someone can be on Twitter or on Instagram and think that this platform is toxic and social media is bad and then, you know, they just stumble or see someone who's using it for good and who's positive and who's inspiring or funny or this. And I say, oh actually, okay, this tool can be used in this way. Or oh okay, look, oh this guy is if you if you work in a job that you dislike and then you see or you meet someone who's genuinely loving their career or who's built a a company or who is doing whatever. And you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. That is possible. That's, that's inspiring. Right. Um, And I, yeah, I I think that's really the sort of the sort of best way to do it because you just show people that alternative path. One thing I love, one thing I love about, about your account. And one thing I love about, you know, the way you live your life and what you're doing is you show I'll tell you how you, you know, you, I'll tell you how you inspire me is you know i'm I'm not yet you know i'm not yet married and i'm not yet a father right and when i see the you know when you're putting out all your content with your you know your your sons your wife your daughter and you're just kind of documenting some of the daily stuff even if it's just going for a walk or it's just like playing or whatever because you know in this society especially for single people there's so much you know the the sort of Propaganda pushed to men and women is a bit different. Some of it overlaps, but there's not a lot of sort of positive. I think for many decades, the whole idea of, you know, marriage and family and children, especially it's has there's been so much negative propaganda of like, you know, kill, you know, kids are, kids are the having kids is the end of the world or, you know, they're going to take up all your time or it's horrible or, you know, marriage is a scam and this and that, and that, like, you know, and all, all women are, all women are this. Oh, and also all men are that. And like both sexes just get hit with all of this propaganda all the time. So I love seeing like wholesome family content on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook and all that, because, you know, I mean, I see it in the real world as well. I'm grateful to come from a family full of, you know, great intact families and marriages and all that. So I have plenty of positive role models, but a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people don't, they've only just seen the, the downside, all they see is the downside, the downside, the the negatives, the things that go wrong. And they need to see examples and they need to see that positive path of, oh, actually, you know what? Hey, these guys are making it work. That guy's doing that. Actually, you know what? Like <laughs> have those, that looks, that looks pretty fun. Like actually look, having that, this guy's got four five three four five six ten kids and his his life isn't ruined like he's having more he's having great fun like this looks cool and i think people need to just people need to see that again because you're not typically going to get it from the traditional media anymore you used to right you used to you used to have a lot more sort of these like Family oriented programs and it was a lot more like wholesome and positive and it wasn't just like The dad is an idiot and he hates his wife and the wife hates him and the kids hate the dad And the dad hates <laughs> so you just like there's, There's so much of that, you know, and oh, he's probably there Someone's having an affair and like someone's probably getting beat at, And like I'm just like man. We just need more. We just need more of these positive examples and just by Doing your day-to-day stuff which might even seem mundane to you, it's actually inspiring to other people who aspire towards those same things. For for me or you having a workout might just be like whatever, right? It's just like I do this thing. But for yeah, but for someone else who's seeing it and who's watching that video of you, you know, going in the gym or just seeing that for they're like, actually, you know what? Maybe I should get uh, maybe I should get in the gym. Like maybe I shouldn't skip today's workout. Actually, you know what? Like, let me let me go a little bit harder. You know, and so I think I think it's all important.
2: Man, I I appreciate that means the world to me, man, for you to say that. And you know, I was warned by many guys. I remember getting married, and bro, when you get married, your life is over. It's It's a it's a prison. You're (laughs) you're drain. You, dude, can I tell you what I was doing right before I hopped on here, man? I was having relay races with my son. There are two. I got two two-year-olds, man, and we were doing jumps. You got to jump over this, or you get eaten by the crocodile, Dad. Crocodiles, con me. bro. I have as much fun as they do every day. Like I, <laughs> you know, and, and I do. I joke with my wife. It's it's hilarious to me that so many people kind of follow our family, you know, through our journey now. Because to me, it is just like, I mean, we build forts, and, and I'll, I'll just snap a quick picture of us playing in the fort. We go to the park every day. We go to the park for a couple hours and just run around and explore and. But, you know, I hear some of these guys saying to me, is married? You know, I'll get DMs once once or twice a week now, man. Like, just what you said. I thought marriage was a trap, a prison. Because I talked about how much I love my wife, man. She yeah. makes me better. She's smart. She's intelligent. She's funny. She's my best friend. I love growing and dating my wife. Nine years in, I still get – we had an overnight date this weekend because our grandparents are here, right? We, we went and stayed on the strip and just, dude, we laughed. We had a great dinner. We had a great walk. We, like – I love being a family man. I think it's so fun to me to get to, you know, get to have a squirt gun fight with your kids. Like, we don't do that as adults, right? But it's like socially acceptable for me to invite a couple dads over and be like, it's me and my daughter versus you and yours. And we just have a (laughs) squirt gun fight. Like, to me, that stuff is so fun. And I've always said we can learn as much, I think, from our kids as, as we can teach them if we do parenting right. I really believe that, you know, my kids are so present. They're so in the moment. And you know what my kids do every day? They, they just try things. Like my son will try and climb this for no other reason than to see if he can. Mm-hmm. And he might fall, but he's always going to get up and try again. And, I, and I, we have so many lessons I think we can learn from kids. And I'm grateful to be a dad because, man, I there's nothing better in the world to me, to be honest, man, than getting to experience that every day with my kids. And, and I appreciate that you got to come over and meet my kids and my family. Yeah. That, that meant a lot too, man.
1: That's no, awesome, man. What are, the, what are some of the biggest things you've – I know you've been a dad for years at this point now. But going from being a not dad, (laughs) what what, what do you call a not dad going from not being a father to uh, becoming a father? what, What were some of the things that sort of hit you the hardest?
2: I think number one, and this is what I what I coach a lot of married guys now around. Uh, I tell them you gotta really prioritize you and your spouse. So I think the big mistake a lot of people make is they put everything into the kids. Oh mm. man, um, you know, and your relationship then with your wife becomes a little transactional. Did you did you get the diapers? Did you take the trash out? Did you do this? Me and my wife, the, our second biggest expense every month is we have a sitter come over three days a week. Man, and some of the days it's just so her and I can take a walk or a bike ride together, like just so we can make sure we're still connecting. And so, you know, we talk about privilege, you know, and me and you have joked, like the biggest privilege my kids will have is nothing to do with anything else outside of the fact that me and my wife love each other. We're committed to having a house full of laughter, love, encouragement, support, and they're going to grow up in that environment. Knowing mom and dad are locked in, we love each other and we love you guys. And we're always there to support you. And so, I think too many dads kind of lose that sense. And I didn't know that going in. So you really have to prioritize your spouse and carve out time because it's not good enough in my opinion to wait until eight o'clock at night when the kids are in bed. But, But bro, I've been up since five, right? So my wife will not get my best at hour 15, you know? So it's important to carve those times out. And then the second thing is just to be present and have fun. Like your kids want nothing more than you know, I think, again, society tells us you need to do the, the we don't do Disney vacations, man. We don't do expensive toys. We don't do a lot of this stuff. But man, we're there for our kids every day. We're building the forts. We're taking sidewalk chalk out and creating little fun things and seeing if we can have a little obstacle course and a race and this and that. And and those are the times, I think, if you think back to your own childhood, you know, me and my dad just shooting hoops man, and having a talk that. that I still think back that that's some of the fondest memories of my childhood. It necessarily wasn't a great present. He brought me mm-hmm. home. It was me and him being present together. And so just being locked in as a dad like that. And when you're with your kids, you're with your kids, you know, you're not thinking about that Instagram post that you're going to, you got to get <laughs> to later. It's like really being locked in with them and you'll have as much fun as they will. I, any dad out there, I challenge you, man, like, I got, I got two year olds and seven year old and and dude, I have as much fun as they do every single day. And I think if you're doing parenting, right, that's how it should be.
1: I love that, man. I mean, I'm I'm blessed to have nine nieces and nephews. So, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm the youngest of, I'm the youngest of five in my family. So it wasn't until I became an uncle when I was 20, where I, you know, really got to sort of see people growing up in that way and so you know i think uh yeah being being an uncle to, being an uncle to nine and then having a few godchildren as well um <laughs> i think that's uh yeah um i i haven't uh, i don't know when that when that when that bridge comes i think i'll be uh i think i'll be prepped for it
2: yeah as I'm best sure as
1: best know. as one can be
2: yeah. yeah that's the thing man in fatherhood there's no playbook for it right that's there's yeah. things that are going to happen every day you're not prepared for I, I always tell people i share the highlights on social media so Again, man, I probably change ten poopy diapers a day right now. I got <laughs> wrong, right? I'm, I'm not posting that on Twitter because everybody unfollow me if I show a bunch of poopy. Yeah, types.
1: please don't, but, please don't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I mean, there are so many fun moments every day, and, and one big takeaway, you know, in this self improvement journey for me, if I tie it back in, is I think today is like day number eighteen hundred and forty in a row that I wake up and I write things I'm grateful for. And I, I recently I was sick, and I went back and I read through a lot of that. And the thing I noticed, Zuby, was most of the things I'm grateful for are those little moments with my kids. I, those are the things I write or even with my, my folks or just, you know, connecting with with human beings, having those those moments of connection. It's not really stuff. It's not really fancy things. It's it's those moments of, of personal connection. And so I, I think you don't have to be wealthy. Uh, you can choose to be kind, optimistic, positive and really pour into all the people around you. That's just a way you can change the world every single day, man. And it makes you feel better in turn, too, because life's kind of like a mirror. What you put out comes back.
1: Amen. Tyler, where can people find and follow you online?
2: Man, uh, come hit me up on Twitter. I am there every single day. Don't miss a day. I I love the Twitter community. I'm always in the streets there. At Tyromper. On Instagram, too, uh, just started posting a little bit more over there. Same at Ty Romper. Uh YouTube starting to grow a nice community over there as well. So come, some, give me a follow over there, man. I'd love that. Uh, same name, Tyler Tote, Tyromper. But, uh, yeah, man, super grateful for everything. Grateful to be on here, Zuby. You're a man that I really admire, look up to, and learn from, man. So thank you so much.
1: Appreciate it, Tyler, man. Keep up the great work.
2: Uh, you too, bro. I am the man sick with the slang,
1: sick and I'm destined for fame.